0: What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Mikaszewski, for another special, special edition of a compilation of about five or six episodes regarding shoulder pain. Um, but before I get into that, uh, today marks a big, big milestone for my podcast. Um, we have surpassed half a million listens that is crazy to think that, you know, when I first started the podcast, I was so nervous to, you know, record my voice, and I did it in a freaking closet because I was too embarrassed for other people to hear me, even though I was in my own house. Like, talk about anxiety and just terrible, terrible butterflies in my stomach. But, um, you know, I remember getting like ten listens per week. <laughs> which was terrible, and now like it's crazy to think that uh, half a million listens later, people are not annoyed of me um, talking about fitness and health and also other random shit that pops into my head. So thank you guys for the support. I'm looking forward to the next half a million to reach a bigger milestone of a million listens. Who knows how long that's gonna take, but Um, It's been a ride. So thank you for all my day one listeners, all my new listeners, and all the ones that kind of in between. Um, So let's get to the show. I've compiled, yeah, five or six episodes in regards to shoulder pain, uh, shoulder anatomy, and all that fun stuff. So if you're like me, I have seen so many different clients and patients um, with all different types of backgrounds, and one common thing is that their shoulder tends to flare up when it comes to exercise. And honestly, with our kind of environment that we live in, which is sitting down like this, like you can already see that my shoulder doesn't, you know, look in the best, you know, optimal position to do stuff overhead. So then things tend to hurt and you're left with sore shoulders and you have no idea. Um, so I wanted to put kind of this like ultimate guide to uh, train the shoulder uh, pain-free, shoulder pain, the mechanisms and everything. So the first three episodes, um, I bring shorter episodes that I've spoken on about um, shoulder pain, the mechanisms behind it, what I do with clients. And funny enough, actually one of the short episodes, um, I was in San Francisco to do a manual therapy course. On the shoulder. So it's kind of funny that, you know, when I was there in San Fran, I filmed that in the hotel room and had the course. And now here we are, over a year later, and putting it to my ultimate guide to, you know, helping shoulder pain. So I'm super excited to bring this episode together because so many people deal with shoulder stuff. And the first three episodes are just like those short episodes um, in my car and then one in the hotel room. But the last three episodes are um, filmed here at my place where not only do I you know, speak to you, but I also demonstrate exercises. I uh, demonstrate how the shoulder joint functions, moves, how it's supposed to move. So it's going to be a very visual episode, so 100%. If you are listening right now, I do say I'm gonna to try to be as descriptive as possible, but you're gonna have your most uh, value if you choose to watch this episode. So highly recommend you hit the show notes right now and click the link to YouTube to watch it. Uh, which brings me to my next point, you need to subscribe to my YouTube channel because I'm gonna be putting out a lot more video content with demonstrations, exercise demos, things like that. Um, right now I'm at 355 subscribers so I really want to hit 400 before this year ends and you know the more people that subscribe the more reach I'll have to other people so then we can help them so like not only am I asking it it's like a selfish thing because you know deep down I want to help as many people as possible and you know if you find my content you know helpful you can help another individual by just subscribing to me. Cause that's how the algorithm works. The more subscribers someone has on YouTube and I post a video, I have more kind of like market share, I guess, um, on the YouTube platform. So people, when they search up shoulder pain, they might actually see this video and it's all because you decided to subscribe. And like, you don't even have to like watch every new video that I post, like just hit subscribe. You don't even need notifications. like. I don't care about that. I just want to help more people. Um, So it would be greatly appreciated if you can uh, do that for me. And without any more rambling, because I can do that forever. Here is the ultimate guide to shoulder pain, mobility, and everything there is to do with shoulders. Here we go. Okay, Today's topic, and it's going to be short, overhead mobility and overhead exercises. I would say 99% of people out there today should not be doing any overhead exercise. Why? The typical person, <coughs> oh man, spends probably 90% of their day sitting. So you can imagine me sitting right now in this car poses a lot of stress and force on certain joints of the body and... You know, I have to adapt in sitting in one spinal flexion, because I can't be up here all day. And you're watching this video, like I look like an idiot right now. Um, So you end up rounding through your T-spine, your shoulders go into this rounded posture. So now you're placing all this stress on your anterior shoulder capsule. And then on top of that, your neck is poked forward and your shoulder blades get into that rounded, protracted position. So when I see in clinic, people with shoulder pain, um, a lot of times they have terrible thoracic extension, terrible scapular movement and dissociation from the glenohumeral joint, and their glenohumeral joint cannot move without the assistance of their upper traps all those three things are needed in order to press overhead and if you remember my interview from uh, with Mike Boyle he made the joke about like go to an airport and see how everyone has to stand in that you know scanning machine with your arms above your head like no one can ever do that right so in order to press overhead effectively and properly you need your t-spine your scapulas and your glenohumeral joint all to work together in a symphony of movement at the right times at the right places to press an object over your head without any kind of compensation since this is such a you know um I would say, intricate movement that many people don't have, this idea of placing a weighted object and then pressing over your head without those prerequisites, things start getting sheer force into places where it shouldn't. And then people end up getting, you know, a sore rotator cuff or impingement or pain doing like abduction of their shoulder. Like the simple simple way to fix this is one get in reality of I should not press overhead right now. Step one. Step two, adjust exercises. So I do this a lot when I see patients in the clinic that are active, but have sore shoulders. I tell them number one, we're gonna stop pressing overhead. But here's what you should do instead. I give people the landmine press. So for those who don't know what the landmine is, it's you take the barbell and you place it in a corner of your gym or between two 45-pound plates, and then you press now on a 45-degree angle. The way that exercise is designed, you have less stress on that anterior shoulder, and it promotes more scapular stabilization while building strength at the same time. Like it's a bulletproof way. Like I've literally had people with torn rotator cuffs and then as we're rehabbing them, we give them this exercise and they're like, holy shit, this is the first time I've pressed without any pain. It's like a bulletproof way to ensure your um, shoulder is set in the right position. Now, the other thing I tell people to do is eliminate any kind of overhead position Meaning if you're doing chin-ups or you're strong enough to do chin-ups, you should probably stop doing, um, you know, chin-ups if your shoulders hurt. And sometimes like again, I tell every client and every um, patient that our bodies are so well designed to cheat movement. Sometimes it works in our favor, but most of the time it works against us. So I had a client with, you know, okay shoulder mobility, but it wasn't perfect. And when he was doing chin-ups, rather than his shoulders being the culprit of soreness or pain, it was his medial elbow, meaning the inside of his elbow. So when I put him through a reassessment of his shoulder and shoulder girdle, I'm like, dude, you have like not enough range of motion and what's probably happening is every time you do a chin-up rather than your shoulders taking the ground of the work it's your elbow so he ended up getting um golfer's elbow from doing chin-ups so you know yeah you could go down the physio or chiro route but all i told him to do is like hey for the next six weeks we're only going to do you know horizontal rowing rather than like any kind of vertical stuff aka your chin up or pull-ups after six weeks that pain went away right a lot of times it's just finding the alternative that works the same muscle but just in a different angle of pull push whatever it is so now you have two things that you eliminated that's going to aggravate the shoulder or the elbow right so now what are some other options out there to help Promote better shoulder mobility, stability, and health. So, if you think about um, this kind of push pull ratio that I've brought up before, um, you want to do a lot of pulling exercises. One of my go to's are um, something as simple as, you know, band pull aparts. The thing with band pull aparts is everyone does them wrong usually when people have terrible shoulders and i tell them to take a band you know across their body and pull it apart they're not actually using their postural muscles that surround their scapulas they end up just using their upper traps because they don't know how to actually utilize those postural muscles to move the backside of their body so they get this hyperactive upper trap and those are the same people that have tight necks tight upper backs and always complain that their traps are tight and no matter how much foam rolling or lacrosse ball or massage they get they always get tight traps so we need to utilize a different approach right just like the landmine and the no press and no pulling overhead you can use the same idea with certain exercises that are supposed to be good for your shoulders but are not getting the job done because you're kind of at that point where your your muscles are just not working the way they should. So an easy way to do that band pull apart is actually laying down on a bench. And the reason behind this is when you lay down on the bench and your head is supported on that bench, you have zero activity with the muscles in your uh, neck. This is why when you go to a physio or Cairo you're laying on a table. And this is why they can actually do stuff to you without having hypertonic muscles, preventing them from moving your head, your T-spine, whatever it is. So if you go by that logic, utilizing a band pull apart, you're actually going to attack the muscles that you need attacking, right? And it's a nice um, substitute and a nice feeling for a client who has these issues to actually utilize those partial muscles that have never been used before. And I remember when I made this switch in my programming for clients, they would come back the next week, like, holy crap, I was so sore in between my shoulder blades from just laying down on the bench and pulling a band across, right? In that position, they're not gonna be using their traps or their neck, scalenes, or whatever muscles in the neck you can imagine, right? It's a surefire way for them to see the progression they need. And then from there, doing things like face pulls, but having the band or the cable machine on a higher uh, level than your eye line to teach those scapulars how to have better rhythm as they pull. You know, so if I had someone that's always hunched over, you'd want to be pulling a like a face pull position from the top down towards your face. Whereas if I had someone that was more extension based, like a gymnast, baseball player I would be pulling um, from the pulley or the band from the bottom of the rack up towards the face so you have to kind of know what angles of pull are going to work best in your favor as a um, trainer and as a person who goes to the gym so that being said like these little changes don't seem like much but you do them for the next six to eight weeks guaranteed your shoulders are going to start feeling a lot better Now, what mobility exercises should you be doing to enhance all these changes in your programming so then you can put these into your like warm up? So one, something as simple as going on your hands and knees in a bird dog position and doing scapular push ups. You would be surprised how many people think they're doing it right, but it's another exercise where you're doing it wrong. Every time I see people do scapular push ups they end up arching their lower back for some reason through the movement, or they start bending their elbows, or they start poking their neck forward and back when they're trying to just utilize their shoulder blades. Like our shoulder blades should be able to move freely by themselves without having any other structure in the body move at the same time. If you can't disassociate that, bad things will happen. So something as simple as those scapular push-ups, and then getting a band around a squat rack and doing the same position but now having some resistance to add more stability to the area like if you can't have stable shoulder blades any pressing motion and no matter how much you try to like you know grunt your way and muscle your way through it you're going to end up getting achy shoulders or painful or even an injured shoulder small changes add up for a long long time like you'd be surprised like these are such easy things and when i put these into clients programs patients rehab programs they're like astonished that this was the first time they've ever felt good and i'm like well fuck, it's not like rocket science like it's really really easy but again i was rambling like crazy i could talk about this topic for like another 40 minutes so maybe i should just put a presentation together on this shoulder by itself but Um, thank you for listening. This was awesome. Click the show. Last time we kind of spoke of the mechanisms behind shoulder pain. So a little review, if you have shitty T-spine mobility, if you have shitty hips, your shoulders are going to take a beating. Now in this episode, I want to kind of cover, um, episode, not episodes, exercises that you need to implement consistently. And I kind of briefly spoke about face pulls and shoulder cars, scapular cars, and things like that. So, what I want to get into is like a more in depth look at these things. So, first and foremost, shoulder cars and scapular cars should be your best friend daily, daily. Multiple times a day the lame joke. I tell patients all the time when they ask me how often should I do? This exercise I tell them I Want you to do this ten times a day And then they look at me like oh shit, and I'm like because I know you will probably end up doing one if I tell them That I want you to do this once a day. They're never going to do it So the more the better the other funny thing um, Is when I tell them that they need to do this as much as possible. I actually had one person that said, Hey, is there a chance or, like, you know, has it happened where people can overdo it with mobility? And I'm like, Honestly, no, but I want you to be the first one so I know what amount that is so that I can tell patients. So you can't overdo it. At least I haven't experienced it with a patient, but um, CARS, for those who don't know, is an abbreviation for controlled articular rotations. It's a fancy way of saying that so you're going to move the joint that you are moving, aka your shoulder and your scapula, in the way that you're designed. So if you look at the mechanism behind how joints in our body work, is that the moment you move them, right, right? you're sending synovial fluid and key nutrients to the joint itself. So I always make the analogy, it's kind of like when you're flossing your teeth and you know, the first couple times you do it, your gums are bleeding, you're like what the fuck, this is bullshit, I don't want to do this anymore, but you carry on, the gums are stop bleeding and you build up the integrity of your gums. So that's ex- Essentially, what we're doing when we constantly move our joints, when we move them in um, the way that they're designed, you're constantly feeding the joint itself, and you build up the health, the integrity of it, and now it's going to move a lot better. So I always tell people, like, most people use their shoulders for this on their phone, for this on their laptop, and maybe lifting their arm up to go grab um, a cup out of the cupboard. Nothing beyond that. So your shoulder is a dynamic joint. It can do so much. It can reach behind you. It can go grab things. It can pull you up. But if you're not challenging that movement pattern, your nervous system and body goes, oh, you haven't lifted your arm up above your head to go reach for something in a very long time. I'm going to take away that energy-sucking movement out of your database Because I want to keep you alive. I don't want you burning more energy than you should. Then, you know, days go by, weeks go by, years go by, a decade goes by. And you decide, hey, I'm going to go back to the gym. Since I haven't moved my arms over my head, I'm going to do barbell shoulder press. And then next day you wake up and you're like, why the fuck do my shoulders hurt? Um, So that being said. The lame joke comes into play here. If you don't use it, you lose it, essentially. Our joints, our bodies in general, are built for movement. When we stop movement at the joint, bad things happen. Okay? So, shoulder cars and scapular cars are a must daily, multiple times a day, and it should be also part of your warm up. You can do shoulder cars and scapular cars in so many different positions, and you can get really creative with it. So I highly suggest you go to my YouTube page, and just search up "cars" as an abbreviation, so C-A-R-S, just like you know a motor vehicle cars, and you will see a, pl- a plethora, 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 whatever you how you want to say it, of different variations along with other body parts. You can essentially put any joint through a CARS routine. And we have something on my YouTube page called um, the morning routine. And essentially that is what I do daily, moving my body every single morning or later in the day, just getting shit done for my body to remember that my knee joint is supposed to internally and externally rotate, that my hip is more than just a joint that does hip flexion because I sit at a desk. You know um, the key for proper shoulders is to constantly move them. The other thing too is a lot of pulling exercises. I can't stress this enough the more pulling exercises you can do the better because not only from a rehab standpoint But from a performance standpoint, look at the best athletes in the world. Their pulling power is remarkable. They can do so much when it comes to pulling. Pressing is not as important as you think. You know, sure, bench press, do it. But for those who can't give up those pressing movements, make sure that every time you do a pressing movement, you pull at least with two exercises. So, I talked about face pulls. Face pulls are literally one of the best ways to promote better postural awareness and all those postural muscles in that shoulder blade, that back to be a little bit better when it comes to moving that shoulder because remember in order for the glenohumeral joint, the ball and socket joint in your shoulder to move properly, that scapula has to function really well and those face pulls are going to help with that. Now Actually, a couple days ago, I just posted this face pull variation where in the cable machine, you place a super band that you'd use for like assisted chin up. So you need a kind of a thinner band and rather than holding it and gripping the band to do a face pull, which is a variation you can do because you can't cheat with speed. I do this for a lot of guys that I train that are always rushing through things so with the mechanism around um, the band and the cable when you go back too quick you feel the feedback of the weight kind of bouncing on the band and it tells you right away to slow down that's one way to really 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 target those postural muscles which is key when it comes to getting things working the way it should because a lot of times when people do face pulls with with a cable um, like with the rope cable, is that they'll end up shrugging because they're like just going through brute force. But with that band, you one, you have to go lighter. And two, you get that feedback right away. Now to take that, like the next step is to truly, truly um, get your postural muscles fired is eliminating your grip. Because the moment you grip things kind of just set in place. So a lot of times when you eliminate that grip those small little intricate muscles around the shoulder blade will start working. So now imagine if you have that band around and you place your hands inside and have the outside of the band going around your wrist and now you're doing a face pull behind you and squeezing and pulling down with the scaps Now you're going to really fire up those um, scapular stabilizers and you can't go heavy with that because you're eliminating your grip that allows that shoulder to kind of be in a more joint centrated position. You're able to pull more. So now you're really, really focusing on those small, small, small little muscles that haven't probably been used in a long time. Like I recently just put this in my program and boy, the next day I was sore as shit and I have not done that in so long. So, homework. Shoulder cars, scapular cars, and so many different face pull variations. Again, on my YouTube channel, hit that up. Subscribe, actually. Honestly, I'm going to put that in the show notes. I'm going to start putting that in my show notes is my YouTube channel because I I think now over a thousand videos of exercises that you should be doing. In your program. Um, That's it for me. I need to get my shit together and work out. And I want to keep this under 15 minutes so I can put this on um, Instagram Live. Not Instagram Live. What am I doing? Instagram. um, IGTV. That's what I'm talking about. Um, So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I feel pretty good today because my Uber driver... Um, And I had a good conversation about weight loss and like, it, it was just so refreshing to talk to somebody not from where I am about their struggle. And by the end of the conversation, he's now following me on Instagram and will be hopefully following my advice and following my workouts because San Francisco, you guys are expensive. Damn. We gotta get that shit looked at, because people, everyday people, can't afford, you know, personal trainers and things like that, so I honestly offered him to, like, look at my stuff and just follow along, but anyway, that's it for me, you guys, thank you, thank you so much for listening, you guys are amazing, until Um, next time. But, let's get into the topic of the show. I put out a post this morning about um, how the scapula moves in space when you, you know, utilize your arms for a certain motion. Now, um, to give an example of this, one, I would love for you to go to my Facebook or Instagram and look at the post to get a little bit more context, but we're going to play, you know, imaginary as you listen to this, or if you're watching, um, you'll have a little bit better of concept. So, if I am standing and I raise my, uh, arms up, my scapula's angle changes, right? And that makes sense. If I'm just standing with my arms by my side, my scapulas are in one position. But if I end up lifting my, um, arms up overhead, my scapulas have to move in order to make room and, you know, um, influence other things for my arms to go up. So my whole post was about, you know, with people that are your everyday Joe, that sit all day. And here's a good example. I'm literally sitting in my car in order to keep my scapulas say, let's use the term neutral, whatever the fuck that you want to make that mean. Um, so if I had to like sit up straight and retract my shoulders, I'm in like perfect with perfect posture and I'm using air quotes and I'm in this like chest up proud position you know my scapulas are in a more centrated position if I have to use a term whereas if I'm just sitting normally you know hunched over and around a rounded position in my car my scaps have moved into a rotational position because my actual glenohumeral joint and shoulders kind of going forward like this. So in order for me to lift my arms up overhead, the scapulas have to move freely. In this position, it's really hard for them to do that. And I always do this exercise with clients, patients, and new coaches to understand how our posture can influence other body parts. So right now, whatever you're doing, like go into a forward posture like if you were on your laptop or your phone working at your desk and then start trying to lift your arms overhead you find really quickly that you get to your end range quicker than usual um, if you were like say doing a dumbbell shoulder press now stand up in better posture and you know think you know proud chest and um, a neutral spine whatever you want to come up with and now lift your arms it's a lot easier right and all we did was change the position of where our scapulas um sit in relation to our spine now the other thing about this is this compensation pattern happens a lot with you know everyday joes if you get your typical and i always use this example the typical accountant that is literally glued to their desk 10 hours every single day tend to have that rounded forward posture so usually their overhead pressing if they're doing it in the gym or at home looks terrible like they can't get to that full extension now here's another interesting like trick so let's go back to our forward rounded posture with our shoulders lift your arms up yes there is a restriction now in this forward rounded posture arch your lower back as much as possible and now lift your arms up guaranteed you got your arms straight overhead now this demonstrates a compensation pattern that so many people do um, in the gym right they're giving them fake overhead mobility and they're compensating at their lumbar spine. Because anytime you arch your lower back, you get fake um, thoracic extension and fake uh, shoulder flexion to do exercises like a barbell press overhead. Now, I'm not saying that you know this is gonna lead to injury because I'm gonna piss off a whole physiotherapist crowd or Cairo crowd, but you have a higher chance of injury because biomechanically, anytime you utilize your lower back for things that the lower back doesn't do or supposed to do bad things tend to happen and you know I got a question about this that you know um, how often does this lead to this to like injury and I'm like honestly it's hard to quantify that because they haven't done you know a specific study with thousands of people with all shitty posture that all work out that like there's just too many variables but it's safe to say that when you don't utilize your joints the way that they're designed and then place a load over top of it then it's going to fuck up some shit and um, my answer that to that person is that like our clinic is attached to a gym and I would say 90% of the general population have some sort of rounded forward posture with their shoulders and have no business pressing overhead. And anytime the gym goes through a new phase of programming and say there's a shoulder heavy day and there's a shit ton of lateral raises and overhead pressing, in the clinic, we end up getting a lot of anterior shoulder pain people And it's like, well, no shit, Like, it sucks. And sometimes it's not just the shoulder, it's the lower back as well because they're compensating uh, for the lumbar spine to get more overhead mobility when they don't actually have it. And I tell this to clients and patients all the time, every single day. Our body is really good at um, manipulating movement and adjusting accordingly to give you what you need right so when i use the functional movement screen and do the active uh, straight leg raise all the time what i am looking for i don't even look at anything else in the body i'm looking at the opposite foot the moment like for example if you were lying down on your back and i told you to lift your left leg as high as possible towards the ceiling until you couldn't go anymore a couple things will happen you will find that when you get to your end range your entire right leg will be um, pointing towards your right side. What this means is when I start people in the anatomical position lying on their back and they have their feet together, toes point, war, point uh, pff, I can't even talk, Toy. T- wow, I'm having a rough time speaking today, guys, um, having your toes pointed towards the ceiling, Woo um, and then actively getting you to lift your left leg, as you get to your end range, your body goes, oh shit, you don't have any more flexibility to lift this leg, so I'm gonna give you fake range of motion by opening up the right hip and tilting my right foot to point towards the right um, wall. And that opens up the hip to allow more hip flexion and you know, if you had shitty hamstring flexibility, To give you a little bit more flexibility to, you know, lift the leg. Right? Our body does this all the time. It will find other ways to move um if you lack mobility. Right. And sometimes it's a good thing. So in sport, like if you look at the best like running backs in the NFL, right, the way they run and cut, like their body will contort into different positions to get to their main objective, which is the end zone. watch slow-mo tapes of how a running back runs, right? Like they have to cut all over the place and the body goes into so many different positions and weird acrobatical like things, right? So in that case, that works really well. But Joe Blow with zero hip mobility and shitty shoulders trying to do a barbell back squat, it's not going to go to their advantage. You know, they will be able to... Squat with um, shitty form to a certain point until something starts hurting, or they hit a plateau and they can't go any heavier because biomechanically it's not allowing them to. Right? So, where am I going with this? With my post, I always try to showcase how one piece of machinery in your body can influence so many things and if we take the time to actually address the issue at hand so many things are going to kind of just fall in place and I see this all the time when I train clients I do a thorough assessment I give them a program designed specifically specifically for them wow I'm having a tough time talking Um, and then they follow it religiously for like three months their aches and pains go away. Like, it's not rocket science. And I just had a conversation today with another trainer that I work with, and she was so pumped that um, one of her car accident people that she's training um, was finally discharged today because she was consistent with her training, followed a specific program, and was like, holy crap, I was like seeing physio and RMT for like three years and... Just because I started training properly, all like I'm feeling good and I'm moving better. Like people don't really understand the power of proper exercise. Like it's one thing to join a class and do a group session, group CrossFit, whatever the fuck you want to do, and you know, sweat and burn calories, but it's a whole nother realm when you have a professional working with you and understanding your history and how your body moves and then utilizing that information and creating a specific program like your mind will be blown how much progress you'll see man i went on a good rant and did not speak properly at all Um, i'm gonna end it there What's up, my podcast listeners and my YouTube subscribers, viewers, everyone who follows my work? What's up? Thank you for listening and watching again. Um, I'm excited about this episode because we are going to go over everything that I do for someone that has shoulder issues from an exercise standpoint. Um, I find that. The shoulder joint itself is one of those things that tends to flare up a a lot, like a lot, especially now. And, you know, yeah, my show is called Cut the Shit, Get Fit, but you can't get fit unless you're pain-free. And this is what I've been saying a lot in my show Um, most recently, probably the last six months. I've been really hammering out, um, like, rehab stuff because... If you think about it you know in a year that you're going to the gym and you want to get healthy lose fat gain muscle whatever it is you can only do that with you know consistency throughout the year but if you like flare up your low back if your shoulder hurts if your knee hurts you take a few days off of the gym and then you come back but you don't go at the same intensity and then you don't burn as many calories you get discouraged maybe you know a week off of the gym turns into a month maybe that month turns into two months and then you got to go right back into it your injury starts flaring up again and it's this like vicious cycle so in my head i'm like rehab stuff and training specifically around an injury goes hand in hand with this whole fat loss weight loss um continuum if you want to think about it that way um so that being said i've always kind of educated my personal clients my online clients that you know if your shoulder doesn't act like a shoulder then it won't be able to do shoulder things right like you know an overhead press is an awesome exercise but if your shoulder joint doesn't work like it's supposed to then how the hell are you supposed to do this without any kind of compensation Right? So this is kind of the direction this podcast is going to go into is a little bit more about anatomy, how our body works, um, and how that translates to the overall goal of weight loss, because I've seen it so many times. And like, this is a whole nother topic, but you know, someone who's like obese, someone has like a hundred pounds to lose, Right they probably have a lot more stress on their joints and now they're expected or like in their mind they're like I really want to get my health in order because like my days are numbered if I'm that heavy because of the medication I'm taking my blood pressure all those other things and now they're going to go into a more stressful environment on their joints along with the extra added weight on it like it's a recipe for disaster so this stuff is super super important so let's get into it Um, the big thing that people need to understand is that the shoulder joint consists you know I would I would categorize it in like three parts so you have like your glenohumeral joint like the ball and socket joint then you have your scapula and then I would also categorize like your collarbone like this stuff that connects all to it those like three parts that allows your shoulder to do all these awesome things for movement and when those three things don't move or are stuck or have had an injury it prevents the whole shoulder joint to kind of work as this one beautiful symphony thing and things hurt I would probably start off by saying that primarily what we see, at least in my experience, in my clinical experience, um, and in the gym, uh, a lot of people get anterior shoulder pain like right in the frickin' front. And that's due to a couple things. The most major one and the easiest one to um, kind of categorize is our posture, especially now. like. Fuck, the amount of Zoom calls I do every week that makes me sit in front of my laptop fucking sucks. Like, I'm like this all day. And when I get um, chiropractic treatment, like, fuck, things pop, crack, snap, like, it's crazy. And I move daily, right? So I can only imagine how a regular person feels when they're in front of their computer like 12 hours every single day, Monday to Friday. And then Saturday, Sunday, they're just like, fuck, I don't want to do anything, right? Um, So that being said, our posture, if you look from the side view, if we're here, we tend to be here all day. And people get tight and then they go into the gym like this and they try to do stuff, right? And I've made a podcast about the anatomy of the shoulder, um, kind of when I first started doing these longer videos. So like, go back to like episode, I want to say 370 something, about i think i was talking about like shoulder cars and how like how the glendal humeral joint works right so with that being said if we have this prolonged posture our nervous system kind of takes over and puts us into that position because it understands that oh you've always been in this rounded hunched position so i'm going to make you more efficient in that so you don't have to create or con- uh, consume but Produce energy to get you there. So, I'm gonna keep you there to make it more efficient. But when it comes to movement, our shoulder joint does not like being like this, like being this in this big rounded position. It likes to be centered, it likes to be here, if you think about it. And that allows you to do stuff overhead and out to the side and back behind and do this kind of stuff without any kind of compensation. Like, look at the rest of my body when I do this. Like, there's no movement. This is purely glenohumeral axial rotation. Nothing else is compensating because I work on my shoulder mobility every single day. So when people come to my clinic, to the gym, online, because they've seen my work through Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, the majority of them will have anterior shoulder pain. And there's lots of different ways to attack this. And I'm going to share kind of like my thought process, what I get the person working towards. And I'm going to kind of give you the guidelines of what you should be doing in your own program, what you should be avoiding and going from there. So like number one, and this like blows my mind that every time, like I can get like an acute like and chronic shoulder with anterior shoulder pain, non-stop year after year and then i asked the person what do you do in the gym they're like oh military press chin-ups split jerks overhead snatch and i'm like no no please no <laughs> right so that's number one like stay away from anything overhead for at least like two three months guaranteed if you just did that one thing shit is gonna feel a lot better. Because if you think about those three things, things—glenohumeral joint, your scap, and all this stuff here, your collarbone, if they all work together in unison, then doing this stuff is gonna be easy. But if one thing is not moving the way it should, then those other two things are not gonna do their job either. So now you're getting sheer force and stress into places that don't belong and then you got an alley. Um so that's my first step is like eliminate the pain factor. Like that that's the easiest thing. Like if someone hurt their lower back and they know how they injured it by bending over in a rounded position to go pick up their kid, they're going to try to not do that again, right? It's like common sense like, "Oh, I hurt my back trying to bend over and grab something." I'm not going to try to do that again. But for some reason, when it comes to shoulders, it's like, yeah, every time I press, I get sore the next day. All right, I'm going to go back to the gym and press overhead again. Like, makes no sense to me, right? So, um, that being said, number one, eliminate all overhead pressing. But if I had someone who was like, I really want to press, like, that's all I care about in the gym. You got to meet your patient client halfway. So, there's really simple tricks that go a long way like i tell this to every patient i work with like it's a small change that gives you like long lasting dividends for joint health so for the shoulder if a person was like no i gotta fucking press like fucking pressing is my thing i'm like sure so say they're a big bench presser an easy thing to do is just start doing floor presses like you can literally do a Um, a barbell floor press you just have to have the rig set up low enough where you can like literally unrack it and then come down to the ground where the elbows touch so by limiting that range of motion right allows you to keep the shoulder joint a little bit more of a neutral position so if you look at me from the side say i'm in a bench press position and i'm coming down as past my pecs like you can already see my Sweater is kind of dark, but you'll get what I'm saying. So, as I get past a certain point, like as my elbows are past my uh, shoulder, this shoulder pops forward, right? I get to a certain point where this is going to happen if I go all the way low where the barbell touches my chest. That shoulder is going to pop forward. And what is going to bug anterior shoulder pain? Putting it into a more of anterior tilt, duh, right? So a simple thing is like, okay, well, let's do a floor press. My elbows are going to start stop here. How does my shoulder look? Fine. It's not going, spilling forward like I would if I went down to um, my chest with the barbell. But those people that are pressing tend to look like this. Say the average gym goer who's not a gym rat but goes like two to three times a week, sits at a desk all day, they're going to look like this most likely, right, shoulders forward, now, with that shoulder forward position, and I'm trying to do bench press, look how faster my shoulder pops forward, and then if I'm going all the way down, like, this doesn't feel good on me, (laughs) right, that is going to trigger more shit, so it's just finding that depth, sometimes, like, I'll tell, like, I've worked with powerlifters, I've had anterior shoulder pain, we have a lot of work to do, but they have to practice their bench press, it's like, let's do the, uh, I'm losing my thought process of what is it called you put like the two by fours or a pad on your chest and you just eliminate your depth someone in the comments below tell me what I'm trying to say because I'm totally blanking but that is one way and then the other one that I always use is something called the landmine press so if you take the barbell a standard 45 pound olympic barbell place it into a corner, or if you have a squat rack that has the attachment to slide it in, and now you press on a 45 degree angle, it's not gonna hurt the shoulder. Nine out of 10 times, people are surprised that it doesn't bug them. Like I literally have um, a client that broke their humerus and I gave them a landmine press. They were worried about it. They did, you know, 12 reps with just the barbell and they were like, well, that did not hurt like yeah it just puts a shoulder in a better neutral position and then the fact that i'm pressing single arm when i get to my end range my scap now has to stabilize and keep this from falling all over the place right so a lot of these exercises are small little tweaks and you can still train like i've literally had people with like a rotator cuff tear like a grade two tear and they still need to exercise like these are the things that help right but again everyone's anatomy is a little bit different everyone's issues a little bit different so maybe as you're listening to this watching this you're like oh fuck yeah I'm gonna go to the gym after I watch this I'm gonna try these two things and they don't fucking work and you're like oh fuck you Raph like you don't know shit but er- everyone has a different shoulder right um and when I get questions like this like hey I have this shoulder thing and like every time I do this like what do you think it is? And is I'm like I don't know i've never seen your shoulder i can't give you an answer right these are general things that i've done i've literally had people come see me and i'm like you know it's gonna be this 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 and we're gonna be good and it doesn't it's not even close and i'm like fuck. i really gotta think about what i'm gonna do next but anyway those two things if you're like avid um an avid presser i don't know if that's a good term an avid bench presser like you need to do that shit um and the other thing too is like people know that pulling is a good thing for your shoulders people understand that at least people that have like taken the time to read blogs watch videos like this they understand that your push pull ratio should be like a two to one at least and for those who don't understand what i'm saying is that every time you do a pressing exercise you should be doing a pulling exercise to counterbalance all the tension and um, stress you're placing on the musculature that allows you to do this. All right, so um, things like T-Rex rows, band pull-aparts, face pulls, dumbbell rows, cable row, like any rowing motion is going to help your shoulder. The more you can pull, the more your shoulder is going to fall into a more neutral position and it's going to stay there. Right? I don't know how long it takes. Fuck, I have no clue. But guaranteed, if you, like I said earlier, eliminate all pressing overhead and any exercise overhead for three months and then added a shit ton of pulling, like whatever a client is doing right now or you listening right now with shoulder pain, you eliminate like 80% of your pressing and just put in pulling, guaranteed in three months, like you'll be like, oh my God, my shoulder is fixed. Guaranteed but a lot of people don't go down that path and take the time to do that. So those two things already, right? Now, oh, I think this is gonna be a two-parter maybe, but um, those are the exercises that you should be doing. Another thing that people tend to forget when I say no overhead pressing or overhead exercises, they'll still do like close grip pull down, lap pull down, fucking chin ups. That's still putting the shoulder in a place that should not be there if you have anterior shoulder pain. Because most of the time, those people have overhead mobility like this, and now they're gonna grab a bar up top to do a chin up, and this is what's gonna look like. You're like feeding the dumpster fire of a shitty shoulder, right? Um, So those are the things that people tend to forget. So now we have like three strategies (laughs) we're eliminating overhead pressing, we're adding a lot more rowing exercises and the third one is we're also eliminating any exercise overhead that you don't think of like close grip pull down lap pull down even though those are pulling exercises, your shoulder still has to go above your head and things can fall apart at that point so now we have three strategies fourth strategy is to actually get more mobility and stability in that shoulder So the two mobility exercises that I do with fucking everyone, like everyone, like everyone and their mom should be doing these two exercises. Number one, shoulder cars. If your shoulder cannot do this without any kind of compensation, like if you look at my body, like this is purely just my glenohumeral joint in conjunction with my scapula, in conjunction with my, um, collarbone working all harmoniously to produce that motion. Every patient, every client that I've worked with, where I give them shoulder cars, it does not look like that. And it should, and it takes time. The compensations that I usually see is as people come up, up top, their elbow breaks or wrist does a weird thing. And then as they try to go into, um, abduction trap pops up and then they don't really know how to actually rotate go into internal rotation. They lean away from the tightness and the pain and then they kind of do this weird thing. Like if I, I see that all the time and I'm like, well, no shit that when you take a dumbbell and try to press it overhead, if your shoulder can't do it's like bare essentials in space and time, you have no business in pressing overhead or maybe even pressing in general, depending on how bad that shoulder is, right? So when I get someone doing shoulder cars every fucking day, and it's so funny because when patients will ask me, how often should I do these rehab exercises? I'm like a fucking hundred times a day. And they think I'm serious and like, the joke is like, well, I used to say one time uh, a day, but people never ended up doing it. So if I tell them like a hundred, they're like, oh shit, I need to do this a lot. So honestly, the more, the better, right? Like your joints feed off movement. The more you move, like motion is a lotion. Like I love that saying. Because every time you move that shoulder joint, I'm adding synovial fluid and all these different nutrients And blood flow to the area to help support and build the integrity of the joint so now we're building that good foundation so like every freaking day as much as possible you want to do shoulder cars now if you don't know what the hell shoulder cars is go on my youtube channel and just type in shoulder cars and i have so many different variations you can choose from number two scapular cars people have no idea how to move Their shoulder blades, interdependently from everyone else. Everything else, sorry, not everyone else. So I like, like, you can do them standing, but I feel like in a quadruped position, so imagine yourself on your hands and knees, so don't worry about my lower body, but my hands are on the ground, and, like, one, scapular push-ups, right? Retraction, protraction, retraction, protraction. Pretty simple. But even then, I've seen people not able to, like, retract because they end up like arching their lower back and they think they're doing like cat cow from yoga, but that doesn't really do anything. Um, So the compensation is happening at their lumbar spine. Like a lot of things do to make up for range of motion in your shoulder blade. And then I also see people bending at the elbows and they wrists hurt. And I'm like, fuck, we have a lot of work to do. And then on top of that, I'm like, okay, after we've done our, retraction, protraction with our shoulder blades. Now we're gonna go into scapular circles in one direction and then the other direction. 99% of the time when I get a person to do that, they can't. The brain doesn't even know how to comprehend that movement pattern. And I'm like, if your shoulder blade can't move freely when asked to, how is it supposed to move when you're placing a dumbbell over your head? It's not. If that shoulder blade behind you doesn't do these things, right? It won't move. Then how's this glenohumeral joint supposed to communicate with that shoulder blade to produce a movement? It won't do it so well. It's going to compensate. And that's where a lot of people get pain. So those two mobility exercises, if I can get a shoulder moving the way it should, shift fixes itself really fast. And then imagine if I was doing those two exercises every single day, multiple times a day, eliminated overhead pressing, um, adjusted my pressing with the landmine and the floor press, and then on top of that, eliminated any kind of pulling exercise overhead. And then also on top of that, did a lot more rowing, face pulls, and all that kind of sweet stuff to get that shoulder moving and grooving. Like, your shoulder's fixed. Like, I've literally had patients and clients go to a physio get a bunch of treatment done but they don't add that next step of exercise and they just like rely on getting needled manual therapy and things like that but they don't make true change they come to me and then we start working together for three months and they're like shoulder doesn't hurt like who would have thought that doing specific exercises based on your anatomy would be a good thing shit right um and now two more things that i want to throw in or maybe two more exercises i don't know yet stability our shoulder blade needs to be mobile to be able to move but in order to produce those movements it needs to be stable so a lot of times i think a lot of people forget that the shoulder blade needs to be able to learn how to stabilize. And I'm not talking, I'm going to grab a TheraBand and do this and then do this. Like that's not going to teach my shoulder blade effectively how to stabilize. And I fucking hate seeing rehab programs with that exercise specifically because it just showcases how far back trainers, kinesiologists are working from like, anyway um this is where kettlebells work amazingly so i like regardless if someone has shoulder pain or not i have everyone doing farmer carries so if i had two kettlebells in my hand and i placed them by my side and they were heavy enough that if i fell into this position it would not feel good so what's my natural response is to be upright in a more centrated position and if you remember from my previous episodes that joint centration is safety stability is safety for the joint when I do heavy carries for somebody in their program their shoulder sets itself it will stabilize and I'm also working my rotator cuff muscle specifically to stabilize that shoulder joint and what does this position look like hell of a lot better position than being here all day so it's like a postural self-correcting exercise where you actually can place heavy weight on a injured shoulder and a person's gonna go like oh shit i didn't think that this was not going to hurt because i've had patients like that where i can see it in their eye like i will hand them a 10 kilo kettlebell and they're like oh i don't know that's too heavy and i'm like fucking squeeze that handle break that thing and walk for me and then they're like oh like it doesn't feel that heavy at all i'm like no because you're putting your shoulder in a better position right so um any kind of carry variation is going to do wonders for the shoulder and again if you don't know what carries are again go on my youtube page i have so many uh, like videos on um what's it called uh kettlebell farmer carries Bottoms up carries, waiter carries, rack carries, everything. Carries are gonna do justice for that shoulder. Now, the last things, like, I I wanted to do a 30 minute episode, but we're already at 20, almost 26 minutes. But, um, kettlebell arm bar and Turkish ghetto. I'm gonna throw those two in. But if I wanted to have, like, a complete, like, stability based, um, shoulder program, then a farmer carry is going to... Not a farmer carry, sorry. An arm bar, kettlebell arm bar is going to do a lot of good stuff. And it also places that shoulder in a neutral position, a centrated position. You're working all the small little intricate muscles that support the shoulder to learn how to stabilize in this position. Right? So kind of... I'm going to try to wrap all this up. So if I took someone with acute chronic... acute and chronic shoulder pain... And I eliminated overhead pressing, eliminated any overhead exercise, gave him a shit ton of pulling exercises that are horizontal, not vertical. Um, did some pressing with the landmine and a floor press, did a shit ton of shoulder cars and scapular cars, and then did stability exercises for the shoulder specifically, like any kind of carry variation and the kettlebell arm bar guaranteed in three months like you can hold me accountable to it but you need to be consistent on doing all those seven things six things i can't remember how many i put up with my hands guaranteed shoulder pain would go away guaranteed from an exercise and movement standpoint again you could have an underlying issue that i have no clue about and you have some weird like diagnosed shoulder condition that no one even understands yet but for the most part i would say like 80 percent of people that i've seen that i've worked with that i've seen in the clinic in the gym and online all those recommendations sorry i keep moving my hair like it's in my eye there's like one strand um guaranteed things are going to move and feel better the biggest challenge is doing the work and that goes for everything, right? Um, everything that's worth worth it in life is going to take time. It's going to take hard work, right? But if you put in the work, like even if you did the minimum of like doing st- all the stuff that I said, like two days a week, because those are the two days you work out, you still are going to feel better, right? Adding more fuel to the fire of doing all the stuff opposite of what i just brought is just going to give you more of a headache and just it's going to make things worse right um i'm going to leave it there i'm going to try to and then someone asked me what about shoulders so today's topic is we're going to do three exercises that will improve shoulder mobility and you're going to need a couple pieces of equipment and i'm going to explain why our shoulders are so vital when it comes to um, movement. So first and foremost, if you have a painful shoulder, go fucking see somebody. That's like rule number one. But for some reason in the gym community, it's like, oh, my shoulder hurts or this hurts. I'm gonna wait it out and see if it gets better. And then a couple of weeks go by. They're like, mm, it's a little bit better. So I'm just gonna not address this at all. And then a couple months down the road, it's like, okay, shit, my shoulder really fucking hurts. I really need to go see somebody. So, if you have pain, go see somebody. Number two, um, when it comes to shoulder mobility, there's a lot that influences it, but. We're going to kind of look at the most common kind of themes that I see, um, in clinic and with my clients. So number one is going to be T-spine mobility. If your thoracic spine, which is this guy up here, kind of where your collarbone is down to where, kind of where your diaphragm is, that's your T-spine. If that does not move well, your shoulders are going to move terribly. So your T-spine is, um... A section of your body that should be super mobile but in our day and age especially now that a lot of businesses and jobs have turned into working from home so previously a lot of people have been sitting at their desks but now we're at home where we're sitting like in bed and on our couch and it's just a lot worse so our t-spine mobility definitely suffers and then other joints or other segments in our body tend to take the ground of the work aka your shoulder and your low back hence why a lot of times when you um, kind of evaluate the patients that you see in a clinic setting it's usually sore neck sore shoulder sore low back sore hips one of those four I think I just listed but if we can get our t-spine moving Um, more effectively, especially when it comes to extension and also rotation, both left and right, then things start to move better at the shoulder. So the analogy I give, and I'm going to move this camera a little bit lower so you can see if I am a typical person where I have my shoulders here because I'm doing this all day, and then I go to the gym in this posture and I try to lift my arms up, This is usually all I can get to. Like This does not feel good. And our bodies are really good at cheating movements. So what happens is um, our body will give us fake range of motion to um, kind of allow you to say, do a shoulder press, because that's usually what happens. So say as I am lifting, well, in that posture, I'm lifting my arms up, can't get there. Body goes, let me give you more extension through your lumbar spine, and now you can press. And you can already see, like, my chest is super flared up, and you see this a lot. Like, you might even notice it yourself in the gym when you are pressing overhead, especially when you get into like um, the last couple of reps, if you are doing 12, 8, whatever it is, and you're starting to fatigue, the rib flare starts to happen to give you more overhead mobility. But in a sense, you want this to come down in order to stay neutral and kind of stacked and be more in a joint-centrated position. That being said, um, the first thing that we're going to look at for developing more um, T-spine mobility is, I'm probably going to go over, this video is going to have a lot of stuff I just realized. But three exercises for T-spine mobility, and then we're gonna do two more things for the shoulder specifically, and a couple more things for the shoulder. So really this um, title of this video is gonna be like, three exercises to improve your shoulder mobility, but really it's gonna be like nine, or 10, or even 12. But, um, what we're gonna do first is three T-spine mobility, um, exercises that one should be done on a daily basis or at least every time you do a warm-up and I think that's another topic that I'm going to cover soon is that how to actually create a well you know thought out per- purposeful warm-up because most people don't warm up long enough and most people just like fucking do random shit and end up going onto the bench press and doing some other stupid shit. So we're going to look at the topic of probably a a well-designed warm-up maybe next week. But first three exercises that need to be done on a daily basis um, for better thoracic mobility. The first one is a T-spine extension. So as I take this down, hopefully I get a good angle of the ground. And it's funny enough that I'm doing this because... um, I recently had someone, I think on my Instagram, reach out about um, the thoracic extension exercise. So for this one, you essentially need just a foam roller. And the reason why I like the thoracic extension exercise is that because we are in such you know, rounded positions all day, it just naturally will feel good to be in a, an extended position. But again, there's a couple caveats to that because kind of what I was talking about earlier with um, our ribcage kind of flaring, you'll see what I mean with this. So with thoracic extension, one, I'm placing the roller in the middle of my back and not my low back. Couple reasons why. We're trying to target our thoracic spine and not our lumbar spine, so that's number one. Number two, You don't have any ribs supporting your uh, lumbar spine, so you end up just placing the freaking roller on your kidneys, and that doesn't feel good. So, that being said, find kind of the middle position of your thoracic spine with your roller, and before you even start going into extension, what I want you to do is having your hands behind your head to support your neck, because it takes a lot of neck stability to actually just hold it here, and after a while it's gonna fatigue pretty quickly. So hands are behind the head i'm going to take a deep breath in i'm going to exhale and as i exhale you'll notice that my rib cage naturally just falls down i always cue that with any of my clients or patients to find a neutral position with their ribs from there i tell them try to keep that position and what we're going to do is slowly extend back with the spine making sure my ribs don't overly arch and I'm not going through my low back. So trying to keep this neutral, I'm going to extend back and then come forward like a mini crunch. I'm going to do this a couple times and then from there I'm going to roll up a little bit. What you'll notice right away is when we get up a little bit higher it's going to feel a lot easier to extend back because again right over here right at the beginning section of your uh, rib cage there's not a lot of musculature and it's kind of at that tipping point where it's gonna feel like it's too much. So as we get higher and we have more tissue to support our uh, weight, it's gonna feel a little bit easier. So same cue again, deep breath in, exhale, let the ribs fall, support the neck, and then we're extending and then going forward, back and forth. From there, one more time, I like to do three sections. So again, we're here, same idea. Extend and then come forward, extend and come forward. Now, from here, there's two other variations. So again, everyone's a little bit different. I have my hips on the ground to do this. Another variation is if I have a wall in front of me. I can place my feet on top of the wall. In this position, I naturally have a tilt on my pelvis to ensure that my lumbar spine doesn't go into extension to cheat. into what looks like thoracic extension. So that being said, um, that's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it too that sometimes works a little bit better is having the hips up into extension and then going into an extension pattern. Because at least now my hips are somewhat in line with my lumbar spine and now I'm just hinging at my thoracic spine. So you have a couple options there sometimes and I'll throw like again I knew this was gonna happen I'm going to throw in a lot of exercises but sometimes because everyone's a little bit different because um, I believe the question I had on Instagram regarding my thoracic extension was due to um, asking if uh, it would be a good idea to do this after a motor vehicle accident so in my experience from the clinic People in car accident uh, scenarios are usually pretty beat up pretty bad. So something like this could actually be a good idea in theory, but in practice, work out terribly. So how do you get thoracic extension in a less aggressive way? So one way I'll do it is doing a simple cat cow um, exercise so literally you're on your hands and knees and you're just going through the cat cow motion to get both flexion and extension through the spine so something a little bit low end it doesn't require a lot of stability through the neck And again if you're a person who's been in a car accident your neck has like literally gone through the ringer so you want to play it safe like I always tell new coaches that you want to play along the rules of risk over reward. Like, is the risk worth, um, you know, putting your client or patient through a possibility of injuring themselves just because the exercise looks cool or whatever it is, or is there something else that can achieve the same outcome that's a little bit on the lower end when it comes to um, safety? That being said, we've um, covered extension. And now we need to cover rotation. There are a couple ways of doing this. And the first one that like literally falls into my brain is uh, an exercise called the open book. So there's so many different T-spine rotational exercises out there. But the particular reason why I always fall into the open book is because it a passive like exercise where gravity does its job or as um something active you're limited with your active range of motion whereas in this case you have a little bit more of a passive feel to it so again you're going to use your foam roller and hopefully you guys can see i'm going to be lying down on my left side my roller's in front of me my top leg is going to go on top of the roller so in this position, I'm gonna to try to go on a 45. I'm here. I'm gonna have my left hand drive down onto the knee. This knee is not, never gonna come off the roller. And if it does, I'm going to be cheating in the sense that I'm using lumbar rotation to make up for the lack of T-spine rotation. So this knee is gonna be glued to the roller as hard as possible. And I always tell people to actively push down to create tension, to purposefully have this down. Your other hand is gonna reach for as far as possible. So I'm already rotating forward. And previously when I used to coach the open book, I would just start here and then open up. But I've been adding this forward rotation. And sometimes I can get a, a little pop or crack through the T-spine just doing this. And then from here, deep breath in, I'm gonna exhale and open up across the body and there's a couple of things here you can either have your hand come straight across but i also like bending it because a lot of times again this is from a clinical um standpoint is a lot of times when people have t-spine limitations their traps and neck are super super tight so doing this what usually happens so imagine i am rotating across my body, and I can't get my shoulder all the way down to the ground, what ends up happening is this position. And a lot of times when people have a tight T-spine, their neck is also kind of jammed up. So this motion, like already right now, my fingers are starting to get a little tingly. And what I'm doing is just placing a lot of stress on my brachial plexus, which is a series of nerves kind of bundled Uh, together that run from the neck down into the arm. So that's why I like going into this bent position. So as I rotate, I kind of bend and look in that direction. And if you want to be like more sports specific, if you are a golfer, this is the top of your swing. And as you know, many golfers or any kind of rotational athlete needs T-spine rotation, especially in the golf swing, when you get to your top position, like that is exactly what we're doing here. So open books are a huge 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 component of how i um, help my clients and patients uh, improve their t-spine mobility the next thing is going to be an active component when it comes to um, t-spine rotation and one of the ones that i really really enjoy that i feel like i might have actually invented because i haven't seen it within the uh oh i changed the color on my my thing here okay um yeah i feel like i might have actually coined this one myself because i have not seen this in the frc slash kin stretch community uh just yet so i came up with this concept um teaching the t-spine cars and the reason why i have not put t-spine cars in this video is one that it takes a lot of i want to say prerequisites but almost having a better body awareness of what the hell you're doing with your top spine, because everyone moves their spine in one like motion. They don't know how to differentiate between this and this. So in order to get this right, what I like to do is go in into a tall kneeling position. My knees are wider than my hips, and it's on purpose. So in a wider position, I'm going to be able to eliminate lumbar movement as much as possible. I have my toes tucked under and digging into the ground and I'm squeezing my glute as hard as possible to get into more hip extension. I'm taking my little yoga block here and kind of giving it a bear hug. And with my fingertips, as you can see, I'm pulling it across to create tension. From here, I'm taking a deep breath in and on the exhale, I'm gonna rotate to one side. As I'm rotating, I'm squeezing glutes on both sides as hard as possible and digging my toes into the ground. And as I get to my end range, I actually feel a nice stretch through my hip flexor, literally almost like from the insertion down into my hip. Um, Sorry, from the origin into the insertion as I'm rotating. So if we all know, a lot of low back pain comes from tight ass hip flexors. So I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone as I'm working actively for my T-spine rotation, I'm also stretching out my hip flexor and I'm just going back and forth nice and slow getting that t-spine move so those three are my kind of go-to's or what I think of when it comes to kind of like a priority list um, in creating functional I have to use that in air quotes um, t-spine mobility now the next two that we're gonna get into is for shoulder external rotation and internal rotation and we're gonna do some pails and rails in this. So if you remember from my other video, we we're talking about this whole concept of pails and rails where we're creating an external load by using um, an isometric contraction to influence tissue change to give it information that I'm trying to create more freedom of motion and more control in these end ranges that I have and I need to improve my end range in order to better my mobility. And in this case, it's the shoulder. So one thing I'll say is that it's really difficult and maybe I haven't like explored this enough to create a T-spine rotation or extension exercise with a pails and rails component. And I feel like there's almost a little too much variables to kind of get it right Um, I know in the FRC community there's been a couple instructors who've tried it and when I played around with it it just it doesn't feel right like usually your arms will kind of get numb and um, you know it just it doesn't work the greatest but there are certain muscles that you can influence um, that can give you more thoracic extension Um, But for the sake of this video, I'm not going to go down that whole rabbit hole because I can probably talk about it for another 30 minutes. But we're already at 20 minutes right now and I want to keep this to 30. So if you have any more questions about T-spine specifically, message me and I will go down that rabbit hole with you. So now we're going to go into pails and rails for shoulder mobility, especially external rotation, internal rotation. So that being said, If you look at external rotation of the shoulder, so I'm gonna take my shoulder into abduction and external rotation. When I get to my end range, what happens is I arch to fake um, external rotation. So we're gonna take your shoulder into your end range and do pails and rails there. So that being said, you're gonna need a dowel broomstick swiffer whatever you have but it has to be strong enough where um you can do a little force into it so i'm going to be in a half kneeling position i have my right knee down in this case my floor is way too hard for my knee so i'm just going to use a yoga block to make it a little bit um or do a little softer on the knee so with the dowel i'm going to have it on my side and i'm going to place my hand around it and kind of swoop it around. So now I have my shoulder in abduction and external rotation, but I don't feel a stretch yet. So how I do that, I take the dowel and drive it forward, and now you can see my hand is more further behind me into external rotation. If I still don't feel it, I can go a little bit further, and I think around there is where I feel a pretty good stretch, kind of like in the back of my shoulder and wrapped around the front. The biggest mistake I see is when people do this, they have their shoulder too far forward and they're like, I don't feel it. You need your shoulder out to the side like you're doing a dumbbell um, overhead press with a dumbbell. i just said dumbbell twice. But anyway, holding this position for two minutes, just like before when we did our hips. At the top of the two minutes, we're gonna do something called a pales contraction, where I'm gonna take my hand and push it into the dowel as hard as possible without the dowel moving forward. So I'm going to pinpoint the dowel where it is in that position because that's my end range and I'm driving my hand forward into the dowel. The big difference with our shoulders um, compared to our hips is that this is a smaller, I wouldn't say a smaller joint, but it has smaller muscles surrounding the joint. So compared to our hips where we have some pretty big players when it comes to um, doing pails and rails, you can like really give her Whereas I find with shoulders, if I like go as hard as possible right off the bat, it's not going to feel good on my shoulders. So that being said, I'm going to slowly push, kind of putting my foot on the gas pedal. So when I get to that 10th second, that's where I'm kind of going as hard as possible. So after 10 seconds, you'll notice that you've communicated to your nervous system. You could probably go a little bit further. And then from this position, I'm going to do my rails contraction where I'm going to think of driving my wrist down to the ground off the dowel if i'm actually at my end range my f- hand my wrist is not coming off the dowel if i cheated and just stayed here the whole time yeah no problem i can get my hand back there so you need to get to a position where it's physically impossible to get your hand off it but you're still activating all that stuff back there to um what's it called it to uh, influence all the musculature that requires for shoulder external rotation. Now, from there we're going to work on internal rotation for pails and rails, and then I'm going to throw some more exercises at you. Internal rotation, we're going to have to bring this down. Alright, so in this position, this is the kind of like the old school sleeper stretch. So I'm going to start by lying down. We are going to have my left shoulder bent at 90. I'm gonna take my right hand onto my left wrist and I'm gonna push it down into internal rotation. The only way for you to cheat on this is if one, you have already a really good mobility or you like end up pushing your hand out this way because that doesn't do anything. But if I go right at 90 degrees with my arm go down straight into a line, now I feel uh, a stretch in my left shoulder. Again, holding for two minutes. In this position, my neck already doesn't feel good, so I can use that yoga block that I had and use that as a little pillow. As I'm holding, I'm breathing every exhale, I'm trying to like get deeper into the stretch. At that two minute mark, I'm gonna show this with a fist and my right hand straight out so you can have a better visual. When I am pressing down, for my pales contraction, I'm going to further press down as hard as possible, and then with my left hand that's in the fist, I'm going to fight it to create that isometric contraction. After 10 seconds, you'll notice that you'll be able to go a little bit further, and then from here, without pushing with my right hand that's straight out, I'm going to take my hand where my fist is and try to push it down actively off that hand to kind of create that regressive angular um, isometric contraction for shoulder internal rotation so now that we have um all that new required range the biggest component of pails and rails is that you've opened up new lines of tissue um, you turned off that emergency brake of your nervous system and you now need to challenge that new range to keep it So one of the two best ways of doing that is doing uh, shoulder cars and scapular cars. So shoulder cars in general, there's so many different variations, but the one that I like to use that I have a bigger, um, just a more, what's the word, more success with is going two arms at the same time. So in my Kim stretch class, I like doing it in a seated position because there's less chance of hip movement and things like that. And you can do this literally in like a butterfly stretch, in a bear pose, a deep squat position if you really want to challenge yourself, but for the sake of this video and the um, difficulty where everyone can start is just in a seated position. And while you're here, it'll be nice and tall. So you're gonna start with both hands with fists in front, kind of just hanging out on the top of your shins. We're gonna come up as high as possible to shoulder flexion, and from here, in your end range, you're gonna start rotating your fists inwards. As I'm doing that, I'm trying to get behind me with my arms as far back as possible, and I'm still rotating. So if you look at my right wrist that I'm moving right now, I'm constantly rotating, rotating into internal rotation, which we just did, until I have my hands down onto the ground, and I know you can't see it, but my hands are literally just on the ground into internal rotation. And then I'm going to come back, and I'm still internal rotating. I'm now externally rotating, just like we did before with the dowel, until I come back all the way forward and down. So again, I'm just coming up, rotate, rotate. And if you notice how slow I'm going, this is the pace that you need to do. Because a lot of times, when people go too fast, your brain and nervous system can't remember that movement. But now, if I go slow, I have more time to kind of dissect the, movement that I'm asking for my body to remember. Now with the shoulder car, it's kind of one of those exercises that covers all bases. It covers all the movement patterns that your shoulder can do. And after doing pails and rails, that's like literally one of the best things that you can do. Um, There's so many other shoulder mobility exercises you can throw in there, but those um, like shoulder cars, and specifically is one of the best to kind of create a foundation and then you can get really specific because say you're an individual that limits shoulder flexion so bringing it in front and that's all you can go you can do pails and rails into that position as well it's just learning the specific nature of what your case is and then applying it and that's where you know my coaching comes into play when I have people come to the clinic or into the gym that hired out me specifically to help them with their injury post-op whatever it is I will do a thorough assessment to figure out exactly what they need to be working on and then I implement it in their program and like boom six months down the road they're like I don't have shoulder pain and I'm pressing overhead awesome sweet we crushed it anyway the next thing is now scapular cars I find that a lot of people have no idea how to interdependently move their scapulas than like moving their entire shoulder together And when that scap can't move, glide, and everything like that um, properly, then that glenohumeral joint within your shoulder is not going to function properly. And then you have like a clusterfuck of stuff happening and no wonder you have shoulder pain. So step one is doing scapular push-ups. So the biggest thing that I see with scapular push-ups, if I'm in a quadruped position, I don't understand why people go into a push-up position to do this, when they have no business being there so everyone should start in a quadrupedal position so from here you're gonna squeeze the shoulder blades together and then push them away the biggest mistake i see people do is even before they move they do this they're in this low back arch position and then they're trying to do this right you need to find neutral first and then go back and forth the other issue that i see a lot is people's elbows bending And as they're trying to go down because they don't know how to retract their scapulas um, properly from there what I like to do is create scapular circles where you're actually putting your scapula through all the different motions that it can go through so in that same position you're going to think of drawing circles with your shoulders again biggest mistake people do is as they're trying to draw that circle they're pushing their hips back because they have no idea how to actually do this Right? This should be a natural position for your shoulder blades to go through but because people don't know how to move their shoulder blades, other parts of their body kind of make up for it. Now after you do a couple of these, you need to challenge yourself and go in the opposite direction. Same idea, when people try to go in that opposite direction where you're driving your shoulders forward, they end up moving their whole body to compensate. I see this over and over and over again in my classes that I teach for um, Kim stretch and you know these people when I chat with them after class they'll had experiences with shoulder pain and I'm like if your shoulder blade can't move then it can't glide on your T spine properly and now your glenohumeral joint can't go above the head so that was a lot um, definitely lied about the whole title of three exercises that are gonna improve your shoulder mobility it was a lot so we had Three T spine uh, mobility exercises. We had pails and rails for shoulder external rotation, pails and rails for internal rotation. We had shoulder cars, and then we had scapular cars. So we had seven exercises today. How you can implement these? You can put them in your warm up, you can do them daily as like a movement routine, or you can throw them literally in your workout. So I've created programs where if someone's goal was really to get you know better shoulder mobility better whatever it is say you do a heavy set of deadlifts I can go into pails and rails on one shoulder do another set of heavy deadlifts do it on the left side Do another set of heavy deadlifts now do seated shoulder cars now you already had three sets right and you're implementing all your homework that's going to make your body move better so a lot of different options if you have any questions feel free to reach out Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I am your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and today is going to be another um, great episodes, not episodes, episode, in regards to a little bit more hands-on in a sense because I'm going to be demoing um, a couple exercises for this episode specifically so for those who are just listening 100% hit the show notes and watch this video if you can Um, because I get this question a lot um, through Instagram where people ask me about shoulder pain and I've already done one episode on shoulder pain but um, I didn't cover one specific thing because again The shoulder joint is such a complex joint and it can move in so many different planes of motion. So it's not as simple as do A to get B, you know what I mean? So um, today we're going to look at the shoulder, but specifically the shoulder blade. Um, So our scapulas, the things that are on the back of our shoulder has a lot of influence on our actual like glenohumeral joint where people are like, oh, I get pain in here. So Um, For the general population and even um, some athletes, say in the powerlifting world, bodybuilding world, um, pitchers, and any kind of like throwing overhead athlete, um, most likely shoulder blades are not, um, you know, working the way they should. And when you look at what our scaps can do, they can... You know protract retract elevate and depress but if you have say someone that is you know working at their desk um, especially nowadays where everything's now on zoom and you're on your laptop or computer a lot more than you were we tend to be in this rounded state so if i have shoulders that naturally want to fall into that and if you think about our scapula it kind of just like it floats there Right, on top of your rib cage. And like, say if this my hand was our scap, and then this other hand is my rib cage, like this scapula should be able to move freely in order for my shoulder to move. So, like, as I'm doing this, like my shoulder blade is moving in there, and within there, there's tons of little intrinsic muscles that allow that shoulder blade to move freely. So if I'm in a prolonged position, like this and you know your body adapts to any kind of stress you put on it and sitting or being slouched over for long periods of time is a stress so your body's going to adapt to it how does it adapt to it it's trying to make you more efficient at it because you know moving in general or doing anything with your body requires energy you know you burn calories to do that and anytime that happens your body's like holy shit you are dying for some reason and you know It wants you to survive and kind of be in this state of homeostasis where everything is just chill. So if it realizes that you tend to sit all the time in this round position, it's going to make you more efficient in that position. Meaning some muscles are going to go into atrophy, they're going to become weaker, some are going to get tighter to keep you there. So now if I'm in a position where my body likes to keep me here all the time, and now I'm required to do something with my arm overhead or throw or reach for something, and that scapula is kind of like stuck, kind of grimy, it's not going to move the way it should, then other things are going to have to um, make up for it, and it's usually the front of the shoulder. So I always like to use that example of the person that sits all the time, because one, it's super relatable to what we're dealing with in our world today and probably 99% of us listening and watching are dealing with that. Even for myself, you know, like I'm try to move every single day. I try to lather up my joints with synovial fluid throughout the day, but you know, you can't fight that war I would call it of sitting because we all need to do it. So, here and then I get aches and pains too. So, Going back to our sitting example, if I'm naturally rounded and now I try to lift my arms up, like that's as much as I can get, right? Compared to like a natural posture where, you know, I worked on my mobility, I strength train, whatever it is, like this is no problem. So if I go back to this example, like right away, what I feel is like super tight throughout like serratus, my lats. And I'm already getting like a little pinch at the front of my shoulder. So now let's take that person that wants to get healthy and is determined to go to the gym and they start doing overhead stuff, either free weight, machine, whatever it is, and we're putting unnecessary stress through that front of the shoulder and that's probably one of the most common things that I see in the clinic and with the people who see me um for like rehab mobility and strength training is like anterior shoulder pain so if now i have this issue other than like you know my other video like yeah start doing shoulder cars and things like that and again that will help but in order to do shoulder cars that i always tell people to do we also need the scapula to be able to move effectively for The glenoid to move through these ranges right so we're going to kind of go over some specifics of um, shoulder blade movements that i one do in my kin stretch classes a lot that everybody has trouble with and again when we don't know how to move a certain point of our body there's going to be compensation somewhere else and i'm going to show you the most common ones that i see and it kind of trickles and I see this a lot in clinic is you know say one thing doesn't move and then you give a corrective exercise and I'm doing air quotes for that specific area most likely what's going to happen is somewhere down the chain and I always kind of make this analogy actually I haven't done this analogy in a long time but think of your body's one big um, chain and the top say that first chain link you kind of Tilted to one side, it's not gonna be a perfect straight line coming down. So something else is going to be affected. And I'm gonna show you this in a couple seconds here. So I'm gonna move my little camera guy a little bit lower so you can see me. Because I'm, we're gonna go on our hands and knees. So we're gonna go into what the yogis call tabletop position or quadruped for the medical crowd. So what we're going to do is just regular scapular push-ups. So a scapular push-up quite um, easily is all you gotta do is go into depression and then protraction going back and forth. So I'm gonna give another view. So we're here, down and back up, down and back up. So it seems a like a very very simple thing to do but the issue here is that a lot of people don't know how to um, one isolate this emotion through their scap without any kind of compensation so what I see with almost every single person is when they're in this position right away before they even start what I see is this with their lumbar spine so now I know That's kind of a default for the lumbar spine. That means they might have like a hinge point around, you know, T12, L5. They might just, you know, have tight hip flexors and the pelvis naturally curves this way, or they just have this terrible habit of always falling into lumbar extension when you're in like a hands and knee position. So now I'm thinking, okay, when you do a front plank, when you do push-ups, you're naturally falling into this position. And how are you supposed to, you know, one, engage your core properly that way? Um, But that's a whole nother topic. But say we are in this position. um, Number one, we have that tilt. Number two, when people are trying to retract their scaps and they don't have that full control or range, our bodies are gonna do two things to mimic us getting more range. As we go down, your body realizes, oh, you need more. They're gonna bend their elbows. So I get people doing this like weird mini push-up thing to mimic retraction of their scaps. And then the third thing, as they're coming down, they're bending their elbows, and then their head kind of tilts. So like none of these things truly equate to proper like scapular retraction. And it just goes to show like how much people need this in order to not get shoulder pain and just have a healthy joint in their shoulder. Like, think about it, like basic biomechanics of that scapula should be able to do all of these different movements, but then we lose those abilities and then we wonder why things start hurting. It's just like if your car decided to, you know, like the transmission stopped working And like sure, maybe you can move the car a little bit, but it's not gonna look pretty, it's not gonna sound good, and it's probably gonna do more damage to other parts of the car. It's the same kind of uh, concept. But from there, what I like to kind of challenge with too, is putting the shoulder blade through all of its ranges. So I see this a lot. Um, Say we cleaned up the tilt, the, the elbow bend, and the bobble head and we find a better position, we have better awareness of like what our elbows are doing and what our neck are doing and I like to go into like what I call scapular circles where we go through all the movements that a shoulder blade should do going back and forth and then also going into the other direction doing the same thing the issue here is that so many people end up in this like awkward state where they don't really know how to move that way and i get a lot of people where um they kind of just kind of freeze and they and they try to do it and they can't really figure out why it's not working and literally like if you take your shoulder you should be able to go into all these motions without any kind of compensations at the neck at the low back so you know, I've been kind of doing a, um, I wouldn't say like a research project, but almost kind of like a little survey with all the people that I see in my kin stretch classes or the people that I train one on one. And I would say, like, every single person, when we get to the point where I'm like, okay, we're going to learn how to move our shoulder blades, um, none of them have full capacity at all when it comes to moving that scapula interdependently compared to everything else so it's one of those things that a lot of people don't think about so you know say 90% of people don't have enough control through their um, shoulder blade and now they want to go to the gym and typically what people will do will go into um, a bodybuilding kind of like split Where or bodybuilding style kind of workouts and things like that. And when it comes to, like, shoulder day, it's pressing, it's lateral raises, front raises, and, like, everything that a shoulder needs to be able to do is in that kind of style of the workout. So now imagine people dedicating, like, a full hour of shoulder exercises when they don't have a shoulder. It doesn't make sense. And then you wonder why people get, like, um... You know, rotator cuff um, inflammation, rotator cuff tears, anterior shoulder pain is just like one thing after another. And, you know, even the style of training out there, like um, hopefully people have stopped doing this, but pinning the shoulder blade back. So I've had this discussion before where, um, again, if you're a power lifter, totally get it. It's part of your sport. But if you think of the standard kind of like bench press in powerlifting, you want to like literally arch the back as much as possible to shorten up the distance from the bar to your chest. Because if I'm here, it's that much further for the bar to travel. So if I'm trying to, you know, go out for my max weight, if I can take the object closer to my chest and decrease the distance, then it's an advantage for me. So in order to do that, if you go here, like look where my shoulders go, they get pinned back. So now I'm taking the bar and I'm not letting my shoulder blade go through a natural movement it's designed to do. I'm preventing it from doing that. And now over the years, if I've been powerlifting for, I don't know, 10 years, and I'm always like this, those shoulder blades are not gonna ever learn how to kind of like be able to protract and usually they'll have a really tough time being able to um, elevate. And if I'm taking those abilities away, something will have to give over time. And you'll find, like, if you talk to any powerlifter that's in their 40s or 50s, they have some, some weird shit um, when it comes to biomechanics, um, back pain, back tightness, because, you know, you find, people kind of falling into this because they always were coached like retract back and pin down and be here and you become like this kind of like e type of thing but um it's the nature of the sport and same thing with like bodybuilding they have that cue to even like when they do a seated rows like let's, let's do this and then pull over and over and over again but then you know if we're taking that one little bit of protraction, like you're kind of leaving a lot on the table. You're actually not strengthening all the stabilizers of the the shoulder blade. And if you're now overloading some other muscles that are responsible for just retraction, you've already got an asymmetry right at your shoulder blade and shoulder like junction, your girdle right off the bat. And we all know when we have an asymmetry like that, usually bad things tend to happen. And I've seen this in that kind of style of training of bodybuilding, powerlifting, where a lot of people will, you know, get shoulder subluxations, like instability and stuff like that. And that's a whole other can of worms to kind of get after. And all they could have just done is, you know, some sort of, balance between the two like i would never say to a powerlifter like you know what you're not being, you're not going to be able to bench press for forever unless you learn how to protract and retract you can have supplement um exercise to help with that um one of the best ways to do that is i like to take like one of those red super bands for assisted chin-ups put pin that around um a squat rack like pillar or cable machine whatever it is having the two um, handles of the red band getting into a straight arm position where um, I kind of let myself fall into protraction but I have the tension of the band pulling me there and I have to actively retract and then protract with resistance it kind of gives you a little feedback I would almost use that as kind of like a priming um, warm-up exercise to you know prior to like a bench press or like a shoulder day or whatever it is to ensure that everything in there is actually moving and grooving the way it should um there's other ways to kind of think about being able to move those shoulder blades um because again if you look at the scapula it's also one of those joints that needs to learn how to stabilize and one of the things that i really really love to do is um A kettlebell arm bar so I'm gonna try to um, demo it hopefully we have enough room and a view so when it comes to the arm bar and I'm gonna move this back so you can see a little bit more of the floor and I might even tilt my little camera down there you go all right let's give this a shot so one I've done this before with um, the benefits of kettlebell training and you know really quickly the way that a kettlebell is designed is that the weight is distributed unevenly making it more of a variable resistance which will at the end make your body work a little bit harder for to stabilize and compared to a dumbbell where it's completely evenly um, Uh, distributed by weight whereas you know the handle is probably the lightest part of the kettlebell and then you have the full-on bell portion so with the armbar what we're going to do hopefully you can see me hand underneath of the belt hand over top for support when you get nice and close almost into like a fetal position and then we're gonna roll over towards our back In this case, I have my right arm with the kettlebell. I'm going to press it up. My other hand is going to go above the head, and my left leg up here is down to the ground. From here, what I'm going to do is take this right leg. I'm going to roll over towards my side. In this position, I'm going to have my left hand still out straight. My head is going to rest while I'm holding this kettlebell, and I'm squeezing the crap out of it in this position i'm not looking up at it because i want my eyes to look forward to one relax the neck and also not see where the kettlebell is in time and space so i can react to it and stabilize because again our shoulder blade is one of those joints that likes to be a stable joint so feeding it some stability specific exercise like this can help strengthen those little stabilizer muscles that we were talking about earlier and then from here, when I'm done, I'm gonna slowly roll back to where I got started, bring it down, and then I would drag it around to the other side to do the same thing. So that is the kettlebell armbar. Super, 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 super simple, but very effective when it comes to building that stability of the shoulder. So if I had to create a shoulder blade-specific warm-up. Um, sequence whatever it would be i would have that quadruped um, scapular push-up the circles in both directions and the arm bar those three things done daily or any day that you have like your strength days on by far would be the best thing to do and in turn that will influence a lot of things that can kind of carry over to so any pressing motions, any kind of pulling motions, those, you know, three exercises will st- um, kind of build that stability around that scapula, teach it how to move a little bit better, and you know, things are going to start falling into place. And rather than overloading um, one movement pattern of always retracting and pinning down those scaps, let them move. Like one of the things that I've been doing the last couple of years because of this is you know in a dumbbell row like a such an easy exercise that everyone does where you know one hand and one knees on the bench and then you're just rolling the dumbbell like rather than thinking of i'm gonna make sure my shoulder is back and it's in line with the other one like i let a little bit of protraction to go through the entire motion of a pull right because again if i don't train that all those muscles that don't you know go from that protraction um piece of the pull are not getting worked Um, because i'm always here like i want to have a little bit of that shoulder spilling forward to get those small little muscles strong enough to go through the full motion because sometimes it's just you know people need to relearn how to move and it takes some time but if i can strengthen those muscles with some sort of external load it's going to get there a little bit faster but um I'm going to end it there because i feel like i can keep talking about this whole topic for like another hour and i wanted to kind of keep this short and not you know overload you with information but i got three good exercises in there that you can throw into your warm-ups um daily movement routine or even as like a filler recovery exercise um after some big lift like a barbell, deadlift, back squat, whatever it is. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Hit the show notes, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram. Give me a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm always accessible, always looking to help. That's it for me, you guys. Until next time.